housing. Nothing personal word of the day for Thursday. May 13th is housing. I'm not talking about the housing crisis, the housing bubble. There's a lot of prices are going up on houses right now. Easy to get mortgages. People are buying into the market right now. But that's not what I'm talking about. The Houston Astros made an announcement yesterday that they are going to now provide furnished housing to all of their minor league players. This is an epic development, folks. Epic. Why? Do you know how minor leaguers live? I wanted to talk a little bit about life as a minor leaguer and tell you how little I feel badly for them, except we're taught to feel badly. Players choose to be minor leaguers the same way you choose to take an entry-level job at your company or the same reason why you choose to take a job when you're in school to help pay your bills. Minor leagues, they are a means to an end and a really good end. And the end is that you make the big leagues. And if you make it to the end, you're going to make some good money. The majority of people, as you very well know from your own lives, is you don't make it to the end, you don't make the big money, and you struggle. And it's a good struggle. We've all done it. We've all been there where you're trying to be more than you are. You're trying to raise yourself better position, more money. Who exactly is feeling sorry for you at your job when you're not making enough to live or to eat anything other than fast food? If you're going to do that, I'd eat Chick-fil-A every day. What do you do on Sundays? I think you buy a Chick-fil-A on a Saturday and then hold it and eat it Sunday. But for whatever reason, fans and listeners and all of you feel badly for minor league players because they're not paid enough money because that's the narrative that you hear from the players union and from the media, even though the union doesn't represent the minor league players, the minor league players are not in the actual union, but the union complains that working conditions are poor, salaries are low. Do you know what we do with minor league players? We send them off to a city. Sometimes we hook them up with a host family so they live in this family's basement. Not like a Silence of the Lamb situation, but like a basement. Or they share a room with someone else who's living in the house. Or maybe they get a place to live with three other teammates. But the reason why most players don't do that is in the minor leagues, you switch teams very often. You either get released or you get moved up or moved down. And so people are hesitant to put their name on a lease because other than it being a seasonal lease, you may not even last the entire season. But there's been so much attention given to the plight of the minor leaguers, including a lawsuit where minor leaguers are claiming that they're not paid properly, they're not given overtime, they're not going to win that. They have no chance to win that. So the Astros decided, because of the situation they're in, and this is where the story gets fun for me. The Astros, as you know, are in PR hell. They can't get anything right. They're getting booed mercilessly everywhere. No one has forgiven them for the trash can banging, even though they should. Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, is despondent because of how he's handled it. All the press conferences and all the fumbles he's had. That now what he's trying to do is figure out a way 
to get some positive press. And he tried the normal way. The, the normal way that we get positive press is by giving money to charity within the community. You do a check presentation on the field. You make sure cameras are there. You make sure you alert the media that there's going to be something that you're doing. And you want to try to get an article written or a mention on the news, something to show that you're being a good community partner, that you're doing something nice. And Jim Crane did that with the Astros after the sign stealing scandal. He was talking a lot about all the money that he's going to donate, that companies are donating to be a part of his foundation, et cetera. But it really wasn't working. So he decided to, I have an idea and it's super, super cheap. Why don't we just rent apartments and make sure they're furnished for every one of our minor leaguers? And they just cut down the number of minor league teams. So you've got a triple A, a double A, high A, low A, and then maybe you're a local team, but say four, say five. Let's say you've got 25 guys. That's 125 players. There's no way that they are single occupancy houses. They're going to be with roommates, which is totally normal. And the reason why I like that Houston is doing this is because when you're running a team, anytime you can get great bang for a lesser buck, that's what you're going to do. And that makes me sound cynical and horrible, but it's true. That's what we do. And that's what other companies are doing, I promise you. They're trying to get the best PR hit they can get with the least amount of money spent. If they can do it in trade, believe me, they would. If you are McDonald's and you want good PR and you can do it by giving away quarter pounders, you're gonna do it that way. And we never built our own facility in the Dominican Republic. There are other teams who did. The Marlins are now building their own facility in the Dominican. The reason why teams would build a facility in the Dominican but nowhere else is they thought that would be a competitive advantage to get young Dominican players to sign with your team. You give them a tour of the great facilities, you show them the great kitchen area, you show them how much food they're gonna get, you show them where their locker is, you show them where their bed is, you show them all of how great their life will be if they sign with you and how crappy it is if they don't, if they go to another team or if they don't sign at all and they go back to their life of, in, of poverty. And so what we would do is take advantage of these young kids by showing them all these great bells and whistles and get them to sign with us. But we would always rent a facility because in my mind, it never made sense to invest the money to build our own facility because it's very hard to do business in the Dominican Republic and you end up uh, needing to pay people off for permits and all the stuff that happens that is uh, unpleasant. And then frankly, if there's an international draft, there's no advantage to having a nice place that you own at all because that's the rumor that there's gonna be an international draft and that's something I'm very much in favor of. But here in the States, as a team, we never paid attention, ever paid attention to the way our minor league players lived because it didn't matter to us. And I'd like to tell you that that makes us different and mean and bad, but that just makes us normal. There's only so much you can do to help your employees out. You pay them what is the market rate for their services, and then you let them make the choice whether they want to work for you. And you could say that when we draft a player, they have no choice, but you're wrong. When we draft a player, they do have a choice if they don't want to be in an organization. They can sit out and not play. And you may say that's not a reasonable solution, but there's plenty of players who choose that as their path. So the Astros doing all of this, it's just part of their reclamation tour, totally normal. And I think it's going to work. 
Not. You think players are going to sign with the Astros as minor league free agents? So there's two types of free agents, right? Major league free agents and minor league free agency. Major league free agency comes after six years of big league service. Minor league comes after six years of being in an organization. And I think that hasn't changed in the last CBA, Coca. And I'm not going to ask you to check it, but I think that's what it is. So no player will sign with or not sign with a team because they don't have a complex or a housing unit or a furnished apartment available to the player. They're doing it to try to get to the big leagues. They sign with a team where they've got the best path to the big leagues because that's where the money is and that's where the glory is. And while preparing for the show, Coca said to me, I don't get this. Why wouldn't MLB teams build complexes to house all their minor league players? And he compared it to what happens with um, European soccer. Um, The difference is those are academies that start when they're kids, even before they are part of the team. They are growing up these kids. They are having them learn to play football, uh, soccer, and It's like what Nick Boliteri did with the IMG Academy. You are training them on the hope that they will then represent your country and be be a part of what you're doing. Baseball is not like that, Coca, because there's it's not reasonable to build a facility in five different cities. So what soccer does is they have an academy in a few places in the country, maybe. And they have found that that investment works. Baseball, that's an investment that has not worked and never would work. That's why you don't see teams doing that. And frankly, the teams are losing money who are building their own facilities in the Dominican because that also doesn't work. So the word of the day is housing. And uh, it's good when teams try to get their reputation back because remember, we're consequentialists here on Nothing Personal. And if the consequence of the Astros trying to get better PRs that they're gonna have housing for minor leaguers who otherwise would have to be in a basement or in their own car or in some crappy hotel, I'm all for it. But my level of cynicism is there because I'd like to see a picture of these houses. I'd like to see how big they are. I'd like to see what the furniture is. And I'm not saying beggars can be choosers. I'm just saying that you can announce anything you want and come off looking like strawberries and cream. But when reality comes, you're just overdone fudge. LinkedIn. Get ready, folks. Don't fast forward. This is important. This pays coca. Growing your business takes more than offering a popular product or service. It's essential to have the right people in the right place to ensure your company operates smoothly and has the opportunity to grow. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the best candidates for free. Ad lib on what you look for in a candidate. You can reach over 700 million professionals using LinkedIn to find the most qualified candidates. LinkedIn jobs will help you hire the right person for your role. And your first job post is free. Just visit linkedin.com slash Samson. Again, that's linkedin.com slash Samson to post your first job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Do I have to do that again, Coca? You okay with that? Do we satisfy the sponsor? I think we did, right? I read everything you told me to read. I think Coca's upset. Don't be upset, Matthew. It's okay. CBS is leaving us alone now. You know that. Update. Update alert. 
Wouldn't it suck to get the vaccine and then get COVID? We talked a little bit about vaccines and COVID yesterday, but the Yankees outbreak is getting worse. It's making national and international news now. Not necessarily in Israel, but it is making international news. The Yankees now have seven positive COVID cases. The government is now involved. Let me tell you what happened. They took the J&J vaccine. That's the one and done. And they, we know when J&J got approved that they have about a 65 to 66% effective rate, whereas Moderna and Pfizer is somewhere in the 90s. Effective against what, you're asking? Effective against making sure the symptoms that you get if you get COVID are de minimis and you're going to be okay. The seven people who have tested positive for the Yankees, only one of whom, Phil Nevin, their third base coach, is symptomatic, and he's already feeling better today. So you could argue the J&J vaccine is working just fine because all these people got the J&J vaccine, but the government in New York, the Department of Health, is in a bit of a panic. New York is a big vac state, as I wish all 50 were, but they're not. I'll tell you, driving cross country, you really see the country and you see who's serious about COVID and who's not. I've been through a lot of states where there's not a lot of seriousness about COVID. And for those of you watching the videos on David P. Sampson on Twitter or Instagram, wondering why I don't wear a mask, you should know that A, if you're vaccinated and you're outside and you're not around other people, you don't have to wear a mask. And as you can tell from the angle of the videos that I'm doing at David P. Sampson, I am solo. So why would I wear a mask when I'm around nobody recording videos of where I am and what I'm doing? You're going to get a video today of Z's. That's where I am on the road trip today. It's a big day of Z. Do you know that expression, Coke? Is that an old man expression? I'm just curious. I don't know if you're still with me, Coca, because you're not in my ear. You're not on the document. There's a chance that you have left the building. Elvis has left the building. Anyway, today you're going to give you a video of Z's if you get a video at all. So the government, New York Department of Health, they need to find out where the hell the Yankees got vaccinated, find out whether it's a bad batch or whether there's been this vaccine breakthrough, meaning if you get vaccinated, you can still get COVID. And I'm trying to explain to everyone who will listen that this is okay. Being vaccinated doesn't mean you're not going to get COVID. And why the Yankees have an outbreak is the same reason why outbreaks happen when you live in a small area with people. Do you know how small coaches' rooms are? If one coach gets sick, they all get sick. In previous years, it would be the flu or it would be foot and mouth disease or it would be you know, chlamydia, whatever it would be, is going to spread around the entire coaches area because they're small. Whether you're the Yankees or the Marlins, it doesn't matter. So you're wondering, is it possible that all these coaches would get it? Of course it is. It's not just possible. It's probable that it's going to happen. So I really don't find this, that to be a big deal. To me, the much bigger deal is how we are going to get the New York Department of Health and baseball to work together to try to figure out, did these coaches who originally got it, who was the first one who got it? Was he violating protocols as they exist even when you're vaccinated? Or was this just one of those things that's going to happen when there is a pandemic that in theory, I think is going to turn into an endemic? So I'm not upset with the Yankees. The Yankees played their game. They lost one to nothing to the, they beat the Rays one to nothing last night behind Garrett Cole. And 
I was interested in, in, in Cole's point of view where he just said, hey, you know, play on, play on. That's what we do. That's what we will do. So the update is the Yankees are at seven. They haven't missed any games, but the government is involved. MLB is talking to themselves right now. Did we do the right thing? Are the protocols okay? Should we have loosened them at 85% vaccine rate? Do we need to tighten them? And they're all doing that with the backdrop of we got to get the season in and we got to play the full 162. And MLB has made it very clear, including during the shortened season last year, that unless there's a major outbreak of COVID without vaccinations, you're going to play. And even with the major outbreak, with or without vaccinations, the likelihood is you're going to play, which is why there's a taxi squad. All the canceled games from last year. Have you noticed, Coca, how many games have been canceled this year because of COVID? I don't have the exact number, but I think it's somewhere between negative one and one. I think it's that number that exists on the chart between negative one and one. I do not believe there's been a postponed game because of COVID yet. Although I don't know if that's true, but I think it is. And the reason is that baseball has learned that the show can go on, not that it must go on, that it can go on. The Yankees are going to play. We'll see what happens. All right, I got a very interesting question. There was a record broken yesterday for an old friend of ours, still a friend, Miguel Cabrera. Uh, Give it to me, Coca, if you're there. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. You can hide all you want, Coco, but when you do the intro to that segment, it means you're there. And when you're not talking to me during the show, I get upset. I like hearing you in my left ear or reading what you're telling me to write. And when you disappear, I know I'm going to get yelled at in approximately, what is it? We've been doing this for 18 minutes. In 27 minutes, you're going to yell at me. I'm just going to hang up and I'm going to start doing Z's. I'm going to hang up right now. What are you going to do about it? So you want to talk to Samson. That's when you get in my Twitter, David P. Sampson. You've downloaded, you've followed nothing personal. Keep doing it. Keep telling your friends. Keep following me on Twitter, please. Or find new followers too. That'd be good. Just because it's all ego and it's all uh, dopamine and it's all money. All of that said, I don't really get paid for having followers, but Coca does. Ask me a question in my DMs and I'm going to try to get to it. What will the Tigers do with Miguel Cabrera? Miguel Cabrera, best player I ever traded. (laughs) Miguel Cabrera, first ballot Hall of Famer. Miguel Cabrera, signed to that ridiculous extension, $230 million over eight years, I think. That was the extension. When he still had years left on his existing deal, and then Dave Dombrowski leaves town. Thank you, Dave. So Miguel Cabrera is selling the Tigers. The Tigers have a problem. They can't win games. And Miguel Cabrera makes $30 million a year. But here's the kicker. Miguel Cabrera will make next year $32 million guaranteed. And the year after that, he'll make $32 million guaranteed. And the year after that, and the year after that, he can make $30 million each with a vesting option. All he has to do is finish in the top 10 in the MVP. If you're Detroit, you're breathing easy. He's not going to finish in the top 10 in MVP ever again. And we're talking about a triple crown winner, the last triple crown winner in 2012. We're talking about the best offensive player you've seen, but not anymore. And it's not that he's older than he says he is. He's just been around for 17 years. 
it is very hard for players to be good in their late 30s, early 40s. It is the unicorn. It's the unicorn. And Miguel is not the unicorn. Doesn't mean he's not first battle hall of famer. So what are the Tigers going to do? So my experience tells me that they are starting to talk to Miguel and his agents right now. When you look at the season he's having, you know, he got a hit last night. You know what that means? He broke the record held by Omar Vizquel. That's pretty cool. He's got the most hits of any Venezuelan player ever in the history of baseball. I mean, that's amazing. But it doesn't mean he's going to get his happy ending on the field. What it means is that the tires are going to have to do to him what the Cardinals did to Pujols, but there's a huge difference here. Huge. Miguel Cabrera is not going to pull a Pujols. He's not going to demand to start, demand to play every day. Get rid of me if you're not going to play me. Just designate me, release me. I'll go play somewhere else. That's not how Miggy rolls. He is way, way too good about that. He is too smart about his, I would like to say he's too smart about his place in the history of baseball. And the history for him is that he came up as a kid, he built his career, and he's proud of his World Series victories, proud of his records, but he's not going, he's got an ego, but he's not delusional. So he's very aware of the fact that He's not performing the way he was. He's not going to give up his money. But if you talk to him properly and you give him respect and you talk to his agents properly, I promise you what will result is some sort of buyout with him getting all his money, some sort of exit from Miguel being on the Tigers. Because eventually they're going to have someone who needs to play first and someone who needs to DH. It's really the same situation as the Cardinals if the Cardinals don't get a DH, so it's even harder. But in the American League, you do. But there's going to be better DHs out there than Miggy. So if I'm the Tigers, I'm starting that process now. And I'm starting it with him directly because I'm giving him that respect. And what other GMs or presidents would tell you is that they're not going to start now because they don't want the player to know what's in their mind. They don't want the player to think that the team has given up on the player. But when you're dealing with a veteran, they're not stupid. That's the point. That's how it went so sideways with Pujols. That's why Joe Madden is still explaining it and giving quotes to this day, today, about how it went wrong with Albert because Albert had a different view of where he was. They had internal conversations, but never with Albert until right at the end. If I'm the Tigers, I'm getting prepared to have those conversations because he's not going to be a Tiger through 2023. It just can't happen. As a matter of fact, Coca, that's going to be the official wait to see. Wait to see is when we say something's going to happen and either it does or it doesn't. And in this case, we're going to revisit this eventually. But Miguel Cabrera, wait to see, will not be a Tiger through the 2023 season, which is how long his contract goes. It's just not going to happen. And that will not take away anything. They're going to give him a better retirement than the than the Angels gave Pujols. They're going to give him a better way to leave on his own terms. But they're going to be honest with him earlier than the Cardinals and, excuse me, than the Angels were honest with Pujols. So what will the Tigers do with Miguel Cabrera? They're going to have to release him before 23, but they're not going to be so clumsy about it. 
before we go to break, Coca has resurfaced to tell me that, in fact, the Nats did have a game postponed on opening day because of COVID, and the A's and Twins had a game postponed mid-April. So there have been two games postponed because of COVID this year. I thought the number was zero. As compared to last year, that's pretty close to zero. But thank you for that correction. When we come back, I'm going to review a, a, a documentary that I watched on HBO Max the other day. And then I'm going to talk about uh, what's going on in Houston. We will be right back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson and you found us. You keep finding us and we're appreciative of it. We watch a movie every day or a documentary. That's still a movie or a TV series. I think we reviewed Friends of Ireland recently. You can download also Lebitard today. I was on that, I reviewed Greenland. But what I'm reviewing here on Nothing Personal is a far better and far more important documentary. It's called Transhood. Do you remember the Richard Linklater movie called Boyhood? Starring Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette that won an Oscar for Patricia Arquette that was filmed over the course of 15 years with the same set of actors. And it was watching these kids age. Fascinating movie. Great movie. If you haven't seen Boyhood, bonus review, please watch it. It's incredibly rare to keep a cast together and they didn't use makeup. They just used actual time watching kids grow up. That movie calls Boyhood. Transhood is a documentary for five years. They followed kids who believed and in 80% of the cases were transgender. It goes through how the parents deal with that fact, how the kids deal with that fact. It shows how some kids are more active than others in the trans community. It shows how kids deal with being different, except to them, it's not different. To them, it is absolutely being true to themselves. I can't stand people who discriminate against transgender people. Who are you to say that your sexuality or your gender is better than someone else's? I just don't know the answer to that. I don't want to get too serious on this topic because I'll get angry. Why is it that people need 
other people to be like they are and think like they do or else they're going to be intolerant of it. And yes, I'm thinking about race. I'm thinking about gender. I'm thinking about anything, height, weight, prejudice. Transgender kids are the subject of intense scrutiny, hatred, criminal activity. It is unbelievably wrong that it happens. This movie gives you an in-depth look into something that you've never seen before. You've never seen a family on screen, real time, as the years pass, deal with it, including things that can change over the course of those years. Like you can be very much in favor of transgender rights, and then all of a sudden you're not because your kid is no longer transgender and you can go back to being the hateful, spiteful person that you were when your kid's not involved any longer. Transhood by HBO Max is a must-see for me and for you. It's not long. I think it's, uh, I don't know, Coca, is it an hour 20, 80 minutes? It's very short on HBO Max. But when you're watching it, just remember that you're no better than they are, and neither am I. Transhood, check it out. Tillman Fertitta is back in the news today. Do you remember when we lived an entire offseason on Tillman Fertitta? I used to call him Fertitta, and too many listeners thought I was being serious. I know his name is Fertitta. They traded James Harden. They collected all these draft picks. They rebuilt. We had to wait to see Coca that the Rockets would not make the Western Conference Finals. I'm embarrassed to take the win on that wait to see. I can't remember the date of it. I'll get it for a future show when I go through all the different wait to sees that have either hit or not hit. But the reason Tillman Fertitta is in the news today, they've won 16 games. They've clinched the worst record in the NBA. That means that they're going to be in the lottery. They're not guaranteed the number one pick. They're in the lottery. They could fall to the top five. They could take the number one pick. They could have the number two pick. I think they have the same odds as the, as the second worst team of being, of having the first pick. The way to see of the Rockets, thank you, Coco, was from December 4th, 2020. That's a hell of a good way to see that the Rockets were not going to make it. And boy, was I right. So 16 games in, that's all they've won. And Fertitta decided now's a good time to meet the media. I'm not sure I understand why he didn't wait till after the season. But in any case, he met the media and he talked about losing and how okay he is with losing. He said, I never thought I could feel this good after winning only 16 games. I never thought I could feel this good when I've been so upset about losing. But when I look at all the draft picks that we have in the future, I'm just happy. I know it's unusual to feel this good with your coach and your general manager, but I do. Do you remember the circumstance about how this coach and general manager happened? Anybody? The general manager is a first-year general manager named Raphael Stone. Do you know who that general manager is replacing? Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey, the guy who went to the Sixers. Daryl Morey, the guy who talked about China. Daryl Morey, the guy who Fertitta said is the greatest GM in the history of the world. That guy. The coach. Remember their coach was uh, Mike D'Antoni? Couldn't come to an agreement. Mike D'Antoni leaves. They hire Steven Silas. Steven Silas doesn't know what's going on with Harden, has no control over the clubhouse. Harden holds out. Silas says, I don't know. I haven't even spoken to the guy yet. Harden then gets traded. 
and how upset I was that Steven Silas, son of the great Paul Silas, great player, great coach, was thrown into this den of wolves. But he's now got the full faith of the owner. It's so disingenuous what Fertitta is saying right now because nobody after a 16-win season says anything other than a binary statement. We are firing our coach and GM or we couldn't be happier with where we are on the rebuild. There's no in between when you've got the worst record in the game. You can't do that to your fans. You have to be strong one way or the other. And the reason why Fertitta chose to go the way of happiness is he can't get rid of the GM and the coach because he just got it and it will make him look like an absolute fool. But the quote needs to be not how happy he is about winning 16 games and feeling so good about where the team is with all their draft picks, et cetera. That doesn't interest your fans. We would talk to our owner and we would talk to our GM. Here's how we're going to deal with them. We lost 100 games in 2013, maybe more than 100 games. And we had, when we met the media, we had a plan. The media was going to learn from us that this was a situation that was planned that will catapult us into winning. And here's the timeline, even if you don't know the timeline, even if you know you can't stick to the timeline, even if, if you know the timeline's not going to work, you still have to say that. So Fertitta came close to doing what was right, but he didn't go far enough. Far enough is saying, I believe that head coach Steven Silas and general manager Raphael Stone are taking the resources that I've given them and maximizing them to bring another NBA title to the great city of Houston. That's it. Don't talk to me about how happy you are losing and how good you feel. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear you tell your fans that you are starting the process and that you know the timeline and that the people who are making the baseball, basketball, baseball, that's funny, the people making the basketball decisions for me are going to keep making them while I sit on the sidelines and act like I'm happy we've won 16 games. Spoiler alert, there is no owner ever who's happy when their teams win 16 games, even if they're in the middle of a rebuild. Period. Hard stop. Nothing personal. Pick of the day. We had a loss. I had the Braves. I didn't go to the game, and I could have here in Atlanta, part of the nothing personal road trip. Braves lost to the Blue Jays. Braves got some terrible news yesterday on their pitching. Remember their pitcher, Sirocco, is out with the Achilles. He's really the ace of their staff. They didn't know when he'd come back, but they expected him back this year. He's about to have more surgery on his Achilles because he has not even started throwing because his Achilles pain has not gotten better. And without an Achilles, you cannot pitch. And without Soroka, they've got a problem. I thought last night with Freed, they'd be okay, and they were. I thought they'd get to Ryu, and they didn't. The bullpen gave it up. Braves lost. We're back to 19 over, 62 and 43. I got a game for you today. It's out in the NL West. My favorite team, the San Francisco Giants, are playing the San Diego Padres. San Francisco Giants continue to outperform, and they're throwing out there Anthony Desclafani. That's one of our old players. Another one of the young pitchers we traded. God, so many mistakes I made trading young pitchers. But you know what? 
That's what you have a minor league system for to me. I don't want to win the minor leagues. I don't want to win a ring at the minor league level. I want to win at the major league level. And if I can trade for an established starter by trading a young starter or an established reliever, I'm going to do it. And you know I'm going to do it because I've done it. And it works sometimes. It doesn't work other times. But you don't know what you have until you lose it all again. Listen to the banjo sound. I'm trying to sing Mandolin Rain. I was just listening to Bruce Hornsby. Um, the drive yesterday, and I butchered the words, of course. Anyway, we're taking the Giants. Is that okay? Take them over the Padres. Okay. This was another strange thing that happened yesterday. What is going on? There's a guy named Bridgewater. First name, Teddy? I don't know why that's in my head. I think it's Teddy Bridgewater, who is the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater played for a team called the Carolina Panthers last year. They have a coach named Matt Rule. All right, have I set it up properly for you? Is everyone okay? Normally, when a player leaves a team and they're asked about their previous team, in general, they're going to stay quiet. And I like that. That's, that's generally a good rule of thumb. You don't want to say anything about a previous team of yours because in sports, you could end up back on that team. You don't want to burn any bridges because it's not worth it to burn bridges in sports if you're trying to stay in the game. And if you're a player, you know, you've got a limited amount of teams you can actually play for. For whatever reason, Bridgewater did an interview and said some very strange things about Carolina. He was on a show called All Things Covered, which is a CBS podcast. And that's with Brian McFadden, who's a great guy. And I'm not talking about this to give All Things Covered a boost because they don't need it. It's a great pod that you should listen to. I'm talking about this because it's an interesting story. And that's what you get on that pod. So Bridgewater said that he was a little upset with Carolina last year, feeling that they didn't get enough practice in that they didn't practice their red zone offense, which is when your ball is within the 20 yards of touchdown. They didn't practice the two-minute drill, which is when you don't huddle and you just hurry up and do play after play because you're fighting against the clock and how you manage timeouts, et cetera. Bridgewater's claim, and this is, again, after he's left the team, his claim is that he was not properly prepared by the coaching staff of the Panthers. That is an incendiary claim. Incendiary claim. <laughs> Sorry. It's Thursday. What do you expect? When you say that you're not prepared to play a football game, what you're saying is to the owner or to the president that that coach needs to be fired because football, especially preparation, is way more important than any other sport. They put the playbook in. They practice situations that are going to take place. Now, we do a little bit of that in spring training, but really, we take batting practice. We shag fly balls while we're not really paying attention to them. Go through the motions. In football, you're not doing that. In football, you are genuinely practicing, and you are practicing during the course of a season. You are learning the playbook. You are learning what the other team's tendencies are. You're learning what your first 20 plays from scrimmage are going to be and you're practicing situations that you know are going to come up in a game. Is it possible that the Carolina Panthers did not practice red zone offense and did not practice the two-minute drill? It seems impossible. 
but Bridgewater called out the team. So, of course, the Panthers coach has to respond because the Panthers are getting crushed. Forget the fact that the best fantasy player in football wasn't playing for them last year because he was hurt. A guy named Christian McCaffrey, who I think is probably number one in most fantasy leagues. Forget the fact that Bridgewater is a mediocre coach, uh, quarterback to start with. But trying to cover up his failings by calling out the coaching staff's preparation, you can bet your bippy that they're going to respond and respond they did. He said he was disappointed, Coach Matt Rule did, that Bridgewater didn't feel good about the club's practice methods. Quote, he said, I'm not going to delve into specifics about our process. Some of that is specific to us. But I feel really good about our preparation and the amount of work our coaches put in and the amount of work our players put in. The amount of practices work, I think we should push them in a really smart way. That is a great response from Coach Matt Rule because he's not giving credence to what Bridgewater was saying, but instead he's saying, our way, which is proprietary, we're not going to share it. People in football think they're curing cancer or splitting the atom. They don't want, remember when the, pan, the um, uh, Patriots were spying on other teams with cameras? It was called Spygate back in the day. You're always trying to get the advantage, see if you can learn what the plays are that are going to be called so you can be ready for them. The fact of the matter is that Matt Rule did a good thing by not saying what his specific preparation is except in the real world, every team knows how every team prepares. Why? Because there's enough players and coaches who have touched enough teams. My guess is, Coca, that if you looked at every football team, an overwhelming majority of football teams are represented on each football team. Do you get that? That means players who played for one team go to play for another team, and they can bring the lessons they learned at the first team to the second team. It's what Bridgewater was trying to do to Denver by saying, we didn't practice enough. We better practice more in Denver. And if they don't practice more in Carolina, Sammy Boy is going to have a hard time. That's Sam Darnold, the Jets quarterback, who's now in Carolina, who may start for them, may not. The other thing that Rule was trying to do in his statement, of course he feels good about the preparation and the work, but he wants to push in a smart way. And what he's talking about there is injury related. The problem with football padded practices and why the NFL is negotiating to decrease those padded practices, players don't like them, owners don't like them, coaches love them. So coaches are now forced without all these padded practices to figure out other ways to implement the game plan for a particular week. But he also was smart enough in his statement to say that we're going to push these players, but in a smart way. One of the things that was supposed to happen, and this was another way to see Coca, was on the number of preseason games in 2021. The NFL released its schedule. I'm always so jealous of that. So jealous. They release a schedule. We try to do that in Major League Baseball like we do with the draft, try to make it a big deal, and no one gives a flying rat's ass at all. The NFL releases a schedule, and there's already podcasts going over lines for week one, picks for week one, fantasy implications on the schedule. It's total insanity. But I sort of like it. I think there's a huge game with Tom Brady going back to play the Patriots in Gillette in Foxborough. That'll be fun. Yeah, it won't be that much fun. You think Brady's excited for it? 
All right. I want to conclude this show by first telling you I, I lost that weight to see because the schedule came out with four preseason games, Coca. I don't know if you can find that, but I said that there'd be no more than two preseason games because the players didn't want it. Owners don't like it. There's nothing good about preseason games whatsoever other than injury. So I went way back last year and I gave you a way to see that the 2021 season would only have two preseason games. The schedule came out and it looks like they're back to four preseason games. I just plus the extra week. If you're in Miami, that extra week is a Giants game, which is pretty exciting. So I don't like losing weight to C's, but I do. I told you I'd revisit it. What date was that? NFL will play a minimum of two preseason games in 2021. That was back on September 21st. Wait a minute. I'm totally wrong, Coca. Edit it. 4-2-69. The NFL schedule came out yesterday, and I want to wait to see. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. On September 21st, I told you the NFL will play at least two preseason games in 2021, and I was right. The reason why I knew they'd play the extra preseason games is while the players didn't want it and the owners worry about their own players getting hurt, the owners know they get paid. And the way they get paid is that when you buy season tickets, you've got to buy the home preseason games as well. We got it right, Coca. The NFL at the end of the day is always going to be the same. You know it and I know it. The schedule shows it. It's just business. It's nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.